Welcome to the Christian Variety Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm John. I'm Will. Christian Variety Podcast began through gifts that ta- that Alan has, vision that Alan has, and a desire to talk that I have. We believe in the local congregation. We believe in scripture. We believe in God's holiness and his love for us. And we believe in conviction. And bring people together to share their faith also. The Christian Variety Podcast, offering variety in your Christian faith. Two simple guys. One Bible. One Bible and a lot of love for God and scripture. Word to your Bible. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Christian Variety Podcast. I feel like we should jump straight to seven. It's a holy number. Really? That didn't take. Go on. Anyway, today I'm joined by the uh, Moran brothers, John and Will. Gentlemen, how are you today? Splendid. Also well. We're, We're diving into the Christmas season, guys. It's the middle of December. No snow. Yet. Yet. Okay. By this time last year, we had two two-footers. By this time last year, we had like so much snow around Thanksgiving. It, was it wasn't one funny. Fo- one four-footer. That means the same thing. Also, I guess uh, we might as well mention our prayer today. A prayer for snow. Amen. Yes, we should. There are heavenly storehouses laden with snow that God ought to open up to his people. And such miraculous communities that depend on that beautiful white stuff to, exactly. uh, to bring together people, to make businesses uh, prosperous. Well, thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today. Thank you for allowing us to be in the presence of such a special time of year. This time of year is, is everything for Christians. And it's important to remember, obviously, the real reason for the season, which is, of course, the uh, the birth of your only son who, who saved the world for us. And thank you for bringing us together today. And hopefully we can uh, reflect, be inspired by this uh, great season. Amen. 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 Our joke for this episode. The pastor cleared his throat as he approached the pulpit. I'm sorry if my voice sounds a bit weak today, he told the congregation. There's been some sickness going around the office, and you all know I hate to be left out of anything. Now for Ask a Pastor. Hey, my name is Bailey Alexander. I'm the worship pastor at the Refinery Church in Columbus, Ohio. What do you think American churches need most right now? This is a great question. What do you think American churches need most right now? American churches need to realize that God is the only, only one that should be praised. And too many churches in America are centered in and focused on this idea that we need to create a personality for people to, to, to follow after. I understand that we all want leaders in our lives to follow after, but I see too much of this personality-driven church that is leading people astray. There's too much focus on individuals. And the reason that I think that that is so, that that, that can be so crippling is, God forbid, uh, you know, you can insert whatever name you want. That that guy, that pastor of that huge church, or that multi-campus church, he has a, a, a moral failure. So many people lose their faith because of that, because they've been looking to him instead of God as their spiritual leader, and they have they have maybe even unknowingly so been worshiping a person instead of worshiping God. And so I think America needs to come back to making God the priority. I think America needs to come back to this heart of worship where there is nothing that matters more than worshiping God, not, not, not through song. I mean, that is, music is one way that we worship God, but worshiping God in every 
area of our lives. When we go to work, when we're in line at Starbucks, when we're dropping our kids off at school, when we're having those conversations in the hallway at our workplaces, when we're inviting our neighbors over, we are worshiping God because of the way that we are living out the truth of his word, living out the truth that says, I love the Lord, my God, with everything, and then I'm going to love my neighbor, then I'm going to love my community the way that I love God. And so, I hope to see all of our churches come back to this idea that God is number one, God is the priority, and everything else fits around that priority. The verse for the day, like Alan said, it is Christmas season, which I am ebullient about. Will loves when I use words I don't have to use. I was actually just about to make a comment about that. Like, you can't just say excited. Uh, he loves when I use unnecessary words. I'm ebullient about the Christmas season. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's Christmas season. This is the, the pronunciation of Christ being born. And uh, we often see the, the shepherds out in the field and we know that they get terrified and are like, well, why would they be so scared of angels? And sometimes we say, well, because if you look at the way the Bible describes angels and they're kind of terrifying creatures, which is true, but not all angels look like that. Some angels just look like people we know because of the story of Jacob and many other stories. So maybe they were scary, but also like if you look at the context here, it says that the great company of the heavenly host. Uh, the host is just another word for army. And, and so there's like, in order to announce his son, God sent his entire heavenly army to shepherds in the field. Uh, no wonder they were terrified. And then they started chanting as an army, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those whom his favor rests. Which like, let's be clear, there will not be peace on those whose his favor does not rest. So like this whole army saying, you better hope his favor rests on you because otherwise we're coming for you. That's, that's scary. I can see why the shepherds are scared. Especially when you consider the shepherds were just like a couple dudes just hanging out with sheep yeah. and, and robes. Probably stupid. There's a reason yeah, they had that yeah, job. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. They weren't the smartest dudes. Right. They're just, you know, just, just a couple of dumb guys it, doing it, dumb work. And it's been multiple generations since the Lord has really proclaimed anything to oh, it's been the quiet. people of Israel. It's been at least 400 years. Yeah, you imagine you haven't heard anything and all of a sudden there's an army oh, of angels, angels screaming at you. Screaming at you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Give me a warning next time. <laughs> There's a strong possibility the shepherds might have been like, who are they? Oh, yeah. Why? yeah the, the lack of presence. There hasn't been any yeah. proclamations in 400 years. There hasn't yeah. really been any. God's kind of let the people be for a while and said, this will come. But why would shepherds it's expect been... angels? These are just like a couple of shepherd dudes yeah. that don't even have people to talk to. It's them with their and thoughts that's <laughs> and that's it. And then all of a sudden there's an, an army of angels standing there going... That's right. Stomping up and down, making noises. Like Spartans. Glory to God, It's It's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and their response was like, look to each other, like, uh, let's go see if they're telling the truth. Yeah. Let's uh, pack our things <laughs> up and go, go see if the baby I'll was do born. whatever those guys tell me to do. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we're, we're making light of it, but it is an incredible kind of uh, uh, encouragement for the Christmas season. Like, this, this is a huge deal. The birth of Christ. And we know that because we have the, the benefit of looking back on history and we count time because of what we're reading about. And it could be argued that, that everything that's ever happened in modern history came because Christ came. In fact, I don't think it could be argued. I think it's just a flat fact. I was about to but, say, like, <laughs> no argument needed. Yeah. It's an argument. Even the staunchest of atheists has to agree that, that it, it changed the entire world. 
and, and so we have the benefit of looking at that and being like, of course the birth of Jesus was important, but like the point of the story was that it really wasn't that much fanfare. The point of the story was he was born to very unimportant people in a very unimportant town in a very unimportant place. And the only people who were told about it were very unimportant shepherds, but the way they were told. I was about to say, I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to make light of that. Like I know who God told, but God works in the business of useless people. Well, that, that's what I mean is, is we get to look back and say, obviously the birth of Christ was important, but unless you were paying attention back then, it, it would have seemed and how many unimportant. People, yeah, and how many people actually really knew about this? Very little. Very little. And, they, and he chose that's. And imagine for just a moment that, that Jesus is, is coming back again. And so he goes to Kansas and finds a group of, of teenagers that are working on a farm like, hey, guys, listen, I'm coming back. And then they'll go tell everybody. We're like, okay, shut up, teenagers from Kansas. No, okay, they're not. Well, wait, before we go forward, that's not what he did. No, I know. But that's my point. Say, hey, guys. No, no. But see, that's my point. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Like, what I'm saying is we have the benefit of looking at our Bible and looking at the history of the world and saying, absolutely, the birth of Jesus was important. Yeah. Everyone back then hadn't heard from God in, in millennia, not millennia, and, centuries. And, and, and then, then when it came, it didn't come to the important people. It came in a massive, mighty way to the most unimportant people in the entire world. Yes. There was no reason for anybody to believe them. It doesn't matter how strongly he came to them, because he only came to them. Okay. Most people were like, you know, hey, the North Star looks a little brighter tonight. What's up with that? And then just moved on. Yeah. yeah. That was it. And that's, that's my point is, when he came, it was massive. Yeah. To those shepherds. Okay. That was it. Beyond that... That, that people had to believe the word. They saw the baby and they, you know, it's, it's, we keep reading. It's confirmed. They come in and said, we were told there's a baby. And they're like, oh my gosh, there's a baby. Like, okay, these stories are corroborating. But, but the, the, my kind of my point is we don't understand the magnitude of, of this pronunciation to the shepherds. Cause we're like, yeah, it's a big deal. Of course it is. It's Jesus. To them. It was like, they didn't know the, the end. They didn't know the plot. They didn't know anything. All they know is they look up, there's a giant army screaming uh, at them. All they, and it's like, like, holy I'm crap. I'm terrified. That's what they knew. Yeah, I'm they, scared. Let's go see if this is true. Right. They weren't like, oh, good. I'm just in a church play. Like, it was a thing. It was a thing. And also, if I ever put on a church play, I'm hiring the 10th Mountain Division to come in here and scream their heads off about glory to God in the highest. I ain't doing no white angels up in the sky with golden halos. But I'm not going to put on a Christmas place, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Get the army band showing up. <laughs> if we're going to look at, of course, the, the story of the birth of Christ, it is interesting that, of course, first shown earlier is the birth of John the Baptist, who we know was hey, uh, likes that story. El Elizabeth and uh, Mary were cousins, I believe. Right? Yes, sir. The birth announcement of Jesus coming brought such joy to John the Baptist while being in the womb. Yeah. That yeah. he leaps jumping around. joy. Yeah. There's a baby in the womb who's so excited about another baby in the womb, he's jumping for joy. Will, you were talking earlier how much you like the John the Baptist story, the birth of John the Baptist story, um, because the dad was quiet. And I think a little bit you just wish I would be quiet, and that's why you like it. But tell us more about that story. No, they come to Zechariah. You're going to have a kid. And he's like, no, I'm old. I'm really old. That's, my time has passed. And they're like, oh, ye of little faith. They didn't quote. I'm not <laughs> quoting. But like, like he thinks logically for one second. And they're like, oh, you think yeah, so? Let's right. make this worse for you. That's right. Yeah. Silence. Yeah. And then he has to live in a world. Yeah. Just the funny that you say that because I think we could really sum up the whole Christmas story with 
people thought logically and then yeah god god changed everything because of that yeah. <laughs> yeah. what good can come out of bethlehem well the savior of the world that's who that's, that's exactly right yeah yeah oh, actually the bible says that somewhere did, it does specifically, yeah, specifically yes i was yeah. quoting it's great <laughs> well it says that zachariah is kind of doesn't want to believe this he says one i am a man of i'm an old man and my wife is well among in year along in years also Gabriel comes to him and says that this baby, um, who was John the Baptist, is going to, in some ways, not, not like say want he's going to change the world like Jesus is, but it says very many change the current world that yeah, yeah, your son's going to do miraculous things. The second half of what Gabriel says is kind of my favorite part. You will be unable, silent, and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words. Now let's That's let's funny. Let's it's, paint a picture. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's alone. He's alone in a, in, a, in a temple. Yep, by himself. Angel talks to him Special and him room. alone. Yep, and says, "Hey, eighty-five-year-old, you're gonna need to make a baby, and you can't tell your wife I told you that." Right, and he's go like, home. Well, wait a minute, I'm old. My wife is old. We're, I, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, we're past that part of our life. Right. And Gabriel was like, "Okay, now you can't talk. Now you can't talk. <laughs> now you have to live with a pregnant woman." Uh, and then after he figured that out. He's got to live with a pregnant woman, and he's incapable of speaking. (laughs) And then there's a little teenage girl who's now going to come by who's also pregnant. (laughs) Also pregnant by miraculous circumstances. Imagine living in a world where there's a teenage girl who is explaining to you her miraculous pregnancy. Dude, I can't talk. And you can't talk. Can't talk. You just have to sit there. And listen Let's to a teenage it. girl who is pregnant by miracle circumstance. I, dude, if a teenage girl gets looked at the wrong way, you'll hear about it every day for a month. Chapter one, one verse uh, twenty-five. Elizabeth says, "The Lord has done this for me. In these days, she has sown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people." Yes, it does say that. So she had faith. It says she's. Oh also, yeah. It says she's also a descendant of Aaron. Yeah. Well, just. I was just about to say we're kind of uh, you know him and Holland because it is it is it is funny that that Zechariah had to live this way it is I mean it just it just is because we're people and that's funny but but also you know <laughs> a lot of lessons here about just just shut up and and I don't mean forever but but if if he hadn't talked back to the angel to begin with he would have been quiet for all this time the reason he was put quiet is because he's like oh no I'm too old we can't it can't happen no there's no way you know just shut up and do what I tell you to do yeah and so. You won't shut up, I will shut you up. And there is a level of, I, I mean, the amount of times I've come to God with a list of reasons why I can't do what he wants me to do. You know, I, I, I've done that a lot. <laughs> you should do X, Y, Z. Well, well, you know, that, think about my bills, God, and think about my family, and think about, uh, shut it's up. It's a recurring theme throughout the entire Bible. And human history. Human history <laughs> is God saying, do this. And somebody looking at God and saying, but God. And God saying, shut your mouth and do it. <laughs> So I do have just another question because I, I think that the context of the Christmas story is just awesome. And, and, and you got to add in the Zechariah. you got to add in Elizabeth. So, you get, so we're adding I, in Zechariah I'll, I'll and Elizabeth. Later, do, you want, do we want to talk about the Gabriel then going to Mary? Sure. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And she seems troubled at his words. The angel says then, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
Luke 28 to 33, chapter 1. No, I'm going to throw on 34 because it kind of goes to exactly what we were talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Just there's a very clear difference since we're going to turn this into a Bible study. Sure. Between Zechariah and Mary. Sure. Um, Zechariah, who says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well long years. Mm. And Mary says, I just want to know how. Because yeah. I'm a virgin. Yeah. One is, okay, you're going to have to give me some, some proof this is going to work. And the other is, okay, fine, but, but, but how? Yeah. Like, do yeah. I need to go do something to move this process along? Or are you going to figure this out for me? Yeah. Whereas Zechariah is like, no, I'm old. That can't happen. So you tell me how this is going to happen because I'm too old. The wisdom Whereas Mary's of age. Like, I, I will, I'll do what you're telling me to do. Just tell me how. Yeah. Uh, it's just a very, very different response. A very different response. A very important difference, though. Uh, maybe. I don't think I would. Yeah, I, 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 I guess would, that it's hard for me to think. I, I was know. just saying, at, at, at that age, I think I would have been, I, I would have been, I'm way more, would have been way more impressionable. Well, if, that, I, if an angel would have come to me at 15. That childlike faith. Or yeah, whatever, like yeah. being naive enough of the world, uh, you know, and, and not having the scars of being now 30. Right. Like, it, it's different at, at 15. If an angel came to me and said, Hey man, so you're going to sprout wings and fly. I would have been like, cool. How? Just let me know. Yeah. Like, should I make wings? Or are you going to give them to me? If I'm wearing a shirt, is it going to hurt? Right. Like, should I go shirtless? Should, should forever you know, like, live without a shirt? Yeah. Like I, I think at 15, I would have been way more like Mary who literally says, how can, the, how will this be? Not like she's protesting or anything like that. Just how she still has faith. Yeah. She, yeah. she's, I think in some ways possibly honored. And then, of course, the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, will be born, called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who has said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And she just says, I am your, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And then the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. Well, when she... When Mary visits Elizabeth to tell her the news. Well, that's what the word then means, Alan. It's a time indicator. Uh-huh. Then. Next. Uh-huh. Then. We as people overcorrect in both directions. Take the Christmas story too lightly because... Because you hear it all the time. Because you hear it all the time. Yeah. But then overanalyze because no one ever really digs into the story. You know, there's there there is a happy medium of these are real people doing real things at a real time in history... We don't need to give them emotions they don't have. We don't need to whitewash anything that happened either. Or, or Zechariah or, had to tell his 85-year-old wife, we need to have sex to conceive a child. That or, happened. Or in some ways, put them on a pedestal. That yes. These, these people are like saint, people. saints or something like that, which they're not. They're just regular There's people. people. The only yeah. person here who we should put on a pedestal is Jesus, and he's not in the story yet. And I guess I'm just saying, like, let's not let's not trivialize, because you had said earlier, Will, that we're kind of trivializing something. And, and you were right. I mean, we, it's funny to, to make light of things. And just do imagine that you're Zechariah. That's a, it's a huge thing that just happened. It's massive. And, and it's funny for us, but it's huge. Think you're Mary. We, you know, that, that's been beaten into the ground. We've all talked about, oh, try to convince people that you're a virgin and pregnant. We know how difficult that is, and, and just the concept of it. But, but do we understand how lonely she was? Do we understand how scared she was? Do we understand what this actually meant? Do we understand the, the, the way she lived? Because she lived an incredibly faithful life. She's not more important than anybody, any other Christian. She's just in, if she put her faith in her son, then she'll be in heaven. That's the only way she'll get there. I think it's a lot <clears throat> easier to believe that Mary was nothing but a kind, humble person. Right. 
I mean, because this is the best inter- this is the best reasoning from just what how she's introduced in the Bible is as just someone who's faithful, kind, humble, faithful, but also a mom. Yeah, also a mom who made mistakes. Oh gosh, um, yeah. Like leaving Jesus behind That's, when they, mm-hmm. <laughs> they That's left. That's what I was just turning because <laughs> yes. they forgot Jesus and then they, they were distressed. I guess just saying she's she's a normal woman. Yes. We need to keep going on the Christmas story though because we got about halfway through and I figure if we're going to do it, let's just do it. You know what I mean? Oh, so we're right. doing it. All right. Next thing that happens, or in other words, then, <laughs> the birth of John the Baptist, uh, Elizabeth gives birth to John the Baptist. Wait, who's Elizabeth? Elizabeth Mary's cousin. <laughs> Gives birth to John the Baz. I'm kidding. Baz is pissed. Baz is um, Of course, important to note, John the Baptist was not Southern Baptist. Um, he just baptized people. That's why he's called the Baptist. The <laughs> <laughs> I had a pastor one time who said he prefers to call him John the Baptizer, just to make sure no one's confused about whether he's a Baptist or not. He's a right. baptizer. <laughs> a person who baptizes. So lame. <laughs> and I liked that a lot. But yeah, this gets, we get back to Zechariah, whose mouth is suddenly opened, and it's very exciting. Um, but uh, Will, I'll, I'll turn to you. What's the first thing Zechariah says once his mouth is open? Uh, well, his mouth wasn't open. He had to write down his name is John. Oh, the sure. first thing he said, uh, it says he, he spoke blessing God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Right. And Zechariah's song is the first <laughs> words that we have recorded. This is the first words we have recorded. Just that, that, that well, again, while we like to be funny and talk about how Zechariah had to convince his wife that they had to have sex when they're 85 without being able to talk to her. He had to uh, live his whole life with a pregnant woman not being able to talk. He had to do his job as a priest without being able to talk. I mean, he, he did a lot of stuff. That, I mean, we're talking nine months of not being able to talk. And, and even more because it was after he was born that he actually spoke. So, so a lot of time talking, not, not talking. And, and what it looks like is he, he actually did learn a lesson. Because the first recorded thing that he says... Perhaps there was something else. But the first quarter thing in scripture is, praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And uh, like, I don't know. It, it seems like he learned the lesson he was supposed to learn. You know, it, well, you, you had about 10 months of so. silence at least. But that's, and that's what I'm saying is, is how Dude uncomfortable is like that? How year. upsetting is that? How hard is that? How much would we all say, I don't want to do that? And yet he came away like, all right, I learned my lesson. Well, yeah, it's a year without talking. Of course he learned his lesson. Imagine sitting at the dinner table and the salt's across the table and you have to ask for salt, but you can't use words. Like the little things in life. Yeah, yes. And we say, but see, uh, you can look at Elizabeth ever again and be like, hey, can you go get me a snack? Right. (laughs) You know, like the little things. Right. Oh, my God. And I think this would be the difference between you and me because you're saying, of course he learned his lesson. But I'm thinking, I'm stubborn enough not to have learned my lesson after 10 months. Like I look at my life, and I'm like, well, God had to teach me that lesson about seven times before it really settled. And I think it's, I think a good person would learn their lesson, but it does. It takes me a long time sometimes. Sure. sure. And that's kind of my point is like, I'm looking at Zechariah like, wow, look at a guy who can learn his lesson. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, he can learn his lesson. That's just, what just, a hero. How inspirational. Zechariah can learn his lesson and it takes me way longer than 10 months to learn a lesson. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just that it's uh, just that he did a good thing, I suppose. He did. He did learn his. No, that's really, uh, this is a good point in a lot of ways that from what we can see, from what's recorded, he did, he, he learned. And I don't, I, I've, I've often classified myself as somebody who learns the hard way. Hmm. I, I very rarely 
make the right decision the first time. I usually make the wrong decision the first time, and then and the second time, and, and the third time. And well, I also like to think <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty, fairly quick learner. That, that's I, I think that's the difference between you and me is I will dive headlong into anything without thinking twice about it, right? And then I'll be like, oh my goodness, that was really stupid. And then, you know, the lessons learned. But I, I absolutely made the wrong decision the first time. To wrap up the birth of John the Baptist, uh, the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Yep. Lived in the wilderness. That happened. Why did he live in the wilderness, you think? And if you go back to Isaiah where they're talking, which I, I'm not going to try to flip back there because I won't be able to find it quickly. Oh, maybe I will. Let's see if we can try it. I think it's Isaiah 40, because Isaiah 6 was Isaiah's call. So you look at Isaiah 40 in your Bible, if you look at Isaiah 40. For me, in Isaiah 40, the punctuation is the way I'm saying, a voice of one calling. Quotations. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. But if you go back to Luke, it's a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Comma. Prepare a way for the Lord. Mm. So it can be both ways because of linguistic ambiguity. It can be both ways. And my editor of the Bible that I'm reading happened to, to do it two separate ways, the both time it was referenced. Why does that matter? Well, because I think it's both. I think, I think as Christians and John the Baptist, they're preaching in the wilderness, but also we're supposed to prepare a way for God in the wilderness. Like my heart, before I was a Christian, I would describe as, as the wilderness. Not a lot of good things, not a lot of hope, empty, dry, no food, nothing. And that's where Jesus came. I prepared, I didn't. God prepared a way for Jesus in, in the wilderness of my heart. But also, now that I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to go into the wilderness and prepare a way for Jesus. I think it's both. And, and again, my, the, the editor of my Bible wrote sure. it as both. What, uh, what verse was that in 40? Isaiah 46, I think. Thir I think it ends in six, maybe three through five, maybe? What do you think? Three. Nailed it. Interesting. See, yeah, yours does the same thing. A voice cries, colon, quotation, in the wilderness, prepare the way forward. But over well, in And then in the, the, and this is what I wanted to see what the, the commentary said. It actually specifically references John the baptizer, writes it differently. But in Luke, it has it the other way, right? A voice of one calling in the wilderness, mm -hmm. prepare the way for the Lord. Yeah. yeah, see? So your editor did the same thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And, I, and I, not that it's like, look at this massive biblical truth I just unlocked. I would describe my heart as a wilderness before Christ came, before, before I was born again. And, and it just, I don't know, it struck me, I guess, um, because I had always read it the other way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. And it was just about John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness. He was preparing the way for the Lord, which is all true still. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying also the wilderness that, 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 that is our hearts ought to be prepared for Christ. And, and God's the one who does that preparing, obviously. But um, I don't know. It just, it, it meant something to me. It's just one of those things that, you know, you remember learning and it's like, will always stick with you. Mm -hmm. And that was, for me, it was, it was one of those things. So Luke chapter two, verse one, <laughs> we've made it in the Christmas story all the way to the birth of Jesus. And we are just simply walking through it and kind of live reacting. You're getting a live reaction here. This might as well be a high speed chase on the interstate. And the three of us are newscasters. It was a live react to the, <laughs> we're live tweeting. We're live we're tweeting. Live tweeting the birth of Christ. <laughs> so we're, we've made it to the actual birth of Christ. There was a reason why they had to be in Bethlehem. The reason was that uh, Caesar Augustus issued issued a census being in your hometown. So that's the reason why Joseph and Mary had to go back to Joseph's uh, home area of... Uh, I'm going to do this for Philadelphia. Bethlehem. Why, why were they taking a census? John, you might know that. I should well, know But we take it. a census every 10 years in our country. Yeah, when it's the same kind of thing, except for they did it by office. So Quirinius became governor of Syria. And so they had to figure out who, how much taxes go to who because... 
you know, there's new leadership involved basically. Mm -hmm. So they're reallocating. It's like doing tax brackets almost. So because there was new leadership, they had to do a census to get all the numbers correct. So that the taxes were correct. That's why. Interesting. So anyway, Mary and Joseph uh, go to Bethlehem and they can't find anywhere to stay. Right, John. And there's, uh, yeah, there's right. There's nowhere. All the inns are taken, but there is a, uh, a manger. Can we, before we get into like the most important part of the story, mm-hmm. um, I just want to, I, I, I really like it when you're reading the Bible. Cause like you said, we're live reacting here. Right. And when you see the providence of God is really cool. I love it whenever you can see that. Um, and that census is, is a very plainly openly and obviously the providence of God. Yeah. Like you said, they were in Bethlehem for a reason for the sense that God made that happen. Yeah. And it, like fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. And imagine all the <laughs> things that God had to line up so that that would happen then that yeah. had nothing to do with Mary and Joseph. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's so it's pretty cool. cool. So specifically to Bethlehem because it was the town of David because Joseph belonged to the house and was of lineage. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and prophecies in the old Testament said the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem and they yeah, weren't, that, they that, weren't that, there. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it, it fulfilled prophecy. I, I can't remember the number, but the amount of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled is unbelievable. My, I think my favorite one is it's the amount of days that he was dead and the way God worked that out with the, the way they count time kind of thing. Yes, yeah, the yeah. way they count time between the north and the south, and it was totally different, and yet somehow God was like, yeah. here you go, I'll take care of your problem. And he, he like, literally worked the impossible. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The amount of prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. And and there's no one. It starts here. Ever. And it starts here, and... Yes, I, I don't. I could go on. I'm not going to. I'm not going to belabor the point. I could for ne- a half next pod, hour. Next maybe. pod prophecies. That's what I'm saying. Next well, pod can, prophecies. Yeah, we can talk about. We can yeah. literally walk through Isaiah 53, which does give the full literal prophecy of Jesus, and it starts oh, with not the only one either. Yeah. And, and other book uh, chapters and books that, but it literally starts with he will be born in the town of Bethlehem. Yeah, and it is it, it, because we we were like, okay, yeah, Isaiah said this had to happen, so God figured it out. That's what's that like? We Actually, overlooked that this stuff world. so much. Yeah, in fact, when it says it's decreed that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, like yeah. this isn't like, oh shoot, we gotta get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Uh, let's do a census in Bethlehem. No, like like Caesar Augustus, not aware that Jesus was born, not aware of who Mary and Joseph are, decided the whole Roman world needs a census, and that's how God fulfilled that prophecy. Yeah, insane. Yeah. And we're just like, yes, he had to be, so God figured it out. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot bigger than that. Yeah. A lot bigger than that. So, anyways, cool. sorry. Very cool. There's no room for them at the inn, I think, is next. Indeed, there is not. <clears throat> Which, real, let's, 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 let's address, I don't want to go past that either, okay? Because just, uh, do we want to talk about the, the actual implications for Joseph and Mary in that situation? Like, how frustrating would that be? You what? know, like, <laughs> like imagine you're a dad, you, 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 not a dad yet. You're Joseph is my point. You're a Joseph. You got a wife who is very pregnant. Yet, yet to be married, actually. Yeah, yes. They were not married yet. And she's already expecting a child and they have to go and say, Do we I, know that? I am here, finish yeah. the census work and stuff. But yet here's my unmarried wife. Who is pregnant? Well, wait a minute. Yeah, Unmarried wife. Very, Do we know pregnant. if they were married or not? Uh, so I'm looking up. I don't actually know. I yeah. just read that. I, I think I just read in early chapter two. Um, I don't think it clarifies in the Bible whether or not they were married. He went there to register with Mary, who was 
pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Luke chapter five. Huh, verse great two. context clues, Alan. Luke chapter five, yeah. verse sorry. Luke chapter two, verse five. Well done. Yeah, I guess I hadn't even considered that. What does your say in, in verse five, chapter two? So uh, it's, uh, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Wow, who is with child? Great reading, Alan. Fantastic context clues. Yeah, hmm. never even considered that. Well done. Well, and marriage was different then. It's not like there was no ceremony to be had. Well, there was a ceremony to be had, but. You know, oh, yeah. It's not like ours, where it's like, oh, did you sign the paperwork? It's like, wow, yeah. You're really not even married until you consummate it, but go on. It doesn't matter. Anyways, you're Joseph, who is with a pregnant woman who is his betrothed, right? And like, you're supposed to provide for this woman. Like, like that's how men kind of find worth, mm-hmm. you know, is providing and mm-hmm. protecting. And now you can't even find a place for. <clears throat> this pregnant lady to lay down you go you finally finally after traveling on uncomfortable circumstances get to an inn and the dude's like sorry bro it's full you, but even that was providence do you actually can you actually find a reference because in luke it does not reference the inn whatsoever or it goes straight from just guest room it says she was expecting a child and then straight to then she gave birth to uh, the child at the verse at six, the end of verse seven, verse seven. Yeah. the end of verse seven it says there was no place for them in the end oh okay i don't have that she there. wrapped him in cloths place him in yeah anyways yeah. um <clears throat> for there was no guest room available in the room at the end but this is another one where you know for us it's like how could they not have room for christ because at that time mary and joseph were wildly unimportant you know this wasn't like people were being mean to jesus on purpose but to fulfill prophecy, uh, there was no room. There was no room. And, and it was because here's why. Because we have, we, have, we have history on our side. They didn't. These are just unimportant people. It's an unimportant young couple. To the outside world, they're unimportant. It wasn't like people were intentionally like, no, go find somewhere else, you unmarried heathens. And, and there's it's just we don't have room. I'm sorry. And, and, well, what, what, what I can say is that, that part of the reason there was no room is because there was the census. Everybody had to come home. Mm-hmm. So everybody's staying with family. You know, there's just, there literally, there weren't, there weren't hotels like we think there are hotels. You know, there, there were public staying places, um, which we translate as in, which is, is accurate. But for us, it's easy to be like, oh my gosh, how did they not have room for Christ? Or how did someone not have compassion on them? It doesn't say that people are mean. There just literally was no room available. Well, I, everybody I was, was say, in town. I think the opposite would be true. Like they were given compassion where this they guy were. was like, I'm packed full, but this is what I this got. all I got this for is you. What I give you. Exactly. And uh, it's it, more than anything, it's underwhelming. We make a lot out of that, and there is something to be said about there not being room, but it's not because people were just so no, it's unbelievably in, cruel. It's intentional. It, it, yeah. It, like, very clearly, it's it, underwhelming. I think another word that's applicable is humble. Yeah. And yeah. That, I think that, that's right. the point. Exactly. That's, that's exactly the point. The point yeah. is that's how Jesus came in the humblest of circumstances to a poor young couple who to your point weren't married yet that's how he came to earth that's how he came. where animals simple. eat yeah. simple simple yeah. just just simple the other thing is just while we're talking about people like to talk about we finally discovered what the manger was like it was more like a cave or it was more like a barn or it was more like a we have no idea like we can just say that historically speaking we have no idea this could have okay. been in a hole in the ground it could have been a barn yeah. it doesn't matter right what we know is insignificant it was a place that animals eat mm-hmm. that's that we can move on it's, it is that simple. Right. The next thing is the shepherds. Well, we kind of just skipped past the swaddling cloths, but oh, all right. sorry. Mary did wrap him. Okay. It was wrapped. I don't have much to say about it. I just didn't just want to skip, skip it. <laughs> there were shepherds uh, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and living and lying in a manger. Of a bunch of reasons for the shepherds to be pouty. Um, just you consider that the shepherds' lives, they kind of had the right to be pouty all the time because yeah. they lived a rough life. Yeah. And that verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That that word, bring you good news, is, is you go back, is evangelism. Right. That, that's that, well, the that, word. That, that's the Greek I'm, word. That's why I'm saying what yeah. I was, that's, that's what I was, exactly what I was getting at was, I bring you good news. Like there's good news like they of might, great joy. They and I'm sitting here and I'm said, like, I don't have any joy because yeah. there's that risk. Like that's not what the good news is. Well, and that, and that, 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 that's it is they could have said, I'm evangelizing you to the shepherds. That's, yeah. that's the Greek word is evangelism. And, and it, the reason is because in the midst of our pooing and pawing, like there is good news. It's really good news. Yeah. It's really yeah. good news. Yeah. It's, it's a good perspective. It's that the shepherds needed too. I mean, it was, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I uh, would like to underline the fact that it did not seem like a very peaceful way for them to declare <laughs> peace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the, having started here and now we're back, the crescendo of Really insignificant, really unimportant, really insignificant, really unimportant, really insignificant, really unimportant, heaven's army. Yeah. You know, quite the crescendo to this moment of declaration to the shepherds. Yeah, like Jesus is here. Let's like, send well, the, the army. And the way it happens is like an angel, just an angel comes and says, there's a baby in the town of David. You know, they're, 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 you'll find him wrapped in the claws and lying in a manger. And once they receive that proclamation, boom, gone. All the, the, the armies are now behind the angel. They're all screaming. And it's like, yeah, no, I, 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 it's, it's just it, it, this very plot, you know, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> rising action up to the climax. And this is the climax. The whole host of the army is here. And that's just really cool. Yeah. And then they disappear. In verse 15, they went away. The angels, the not angels, the shepherds. not the shepherds. So they're about to go away too. They're about to go to Bethlehem. Well, they're not going to go away. They're going. They're going. Yeah, they're not going. Away. Not going, going away. away. They're just going. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to, over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Like, of course they did. If somebody told me that today... I would wonder. I, I would wonder. And I know the story. Right. You know? Like, I would have context of, oh, wow, that sounds familiar. And I would be like, that sounds wild, dude. Of course they wondered. Yeah. So, so I wondered, though, where are the wise men in this? Or is that? Matthew. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's a really good question, Alan. Actually, um, we, we went through the Luke story. Yeah. of the birth of Christ. And Matthew and, and Luke have the, the birth stories. Mark don't. Mark don't. Mark don't. Mark and John don't have the birth stories. Yeah, no, so, and, and it's important, you know, there, there are differences in those birth stories, not contradictions, differences. Um, and that's because Luke um, was essentially a reporter. You know, he was, he interviewed a bunch of people, got as many details as possible. Matthew was writing to a, a Jewish audience. The point of Matthew's book is to show Jesus as king. So his birth story, while Luke's is, is very humble, very, Luke was writing for every man. You know, he was writing for the, the, the common folk. Whereas Matthew's like, look at the fulfillment of the king of Israel. So that's when the wise men come and they bring gifts and there's this 
plot by Herod to kill him. And uh, the point of each story is, is very different. Yeah, because I was, I was wondering about that. They went to Herod. Herod called went, them, the, the Magi, and asked, but, what's going on? But they didn't tell him. No. Because I believe an angel approached one of them or something like that, or they had a change of thought. Or I'm you're reading. talking about when they left? You're talking about when left. they left? An angel told them to leave. Because eventually... Eventually, Herod does find out. Oh, he does, and that's yeah. And that's when he makes his... So, yes, there is... In, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, an angel comes to them in a dream and says, don't go back to Herod. Go home. But again, the, the point of the two stories, which, which again, not contradictions. We're just getting the full picture because of there's two different people. Like, like if, if you were to ask me, Alan, I don't know, what... what, what ha- at 30 minutes after we're done recording, I would ask you how the recording right. went and what happened. You could ask me what happened at the recording, and then you could ask Alan what happened at the recording. You would get three different stories. None of but them the are contradictory, picture. but you would get the full picture. Exactly. Right. Alan will remember something I didn't remember. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. yes. So that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. But Matthew's whole point is, this is King Jesus. And Luke's whole point is, this is a humble guy. And he's both. Right. I mean, he is King Jesus, but he's also a man, you know? So that, that is the kind of the point of the two different stories. Um, I always loved the, while well, we're talking about this, the Magi um, took a class in college, which Will took as well from a professor. And uh, he, he loved taking what we think we know about scripture and just reading it and being like, does that sound like what you thought you knew? And one of his who, favorite who, things who are we shouting out right now? Chad Hartsock. Chad Hartsock, that's who I thought you were. We right, love right, Chad yeah, Hartsock. Yeah, Chad, love some Chad Hartsock. I actually wrote a book and I bought it and it's amazing about this kind of thing. But the, the misconceptions. Did? Oh yeah. He has a book? Him and Dave Neely. Oh, it's good Oh, too. dude, I gotta read that. Gotta read. It's so good. That's incredible. Um, shout out if you want a book to read. Chad Hartsock, Dave Neely, Christmas Story. Which I don't think is the name of it, whatever. But he talks about kind of the misconceptions around the Christmas story specifically as one of those things. And he says, let's talk about a pretty commonly known song, We Three Kings. He says, you don't even get out of the first line of the song before it's wrong three different times. We three, not in scripture, kings, they weren't kings, from Orient, racist and wrong, he says. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's a good Christmas song and I like seeing it. They weren't kings. Uh, they 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 were not Oriental, and there's no 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 number mentioned. Uh, we assume three because they brought three gifts, and so we're thinking, oh, three different people had three gifts. Sure. But it could have been two, and they uh, it could have been seven. Could have been fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, don't we don't know. And um, they weren't kings. They were they they were black arts people like they were almost like, wizards that's what I was supposed <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah. not 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 your traditional christian uh, no not stay. not dressed yeah. up all fancy like we see no them. no were, no, no like, they were doing uh, seances right, right. <laughs> but what we would describe as evil today, well, yes exactly like today, that's what we would call them witchcraft yeah and and matthew brings that point in like hey man even these people bow down to king jesus so that that is i'm glad you brought that up alan because it's important to note there are two different birth stories for Christ, Mm -hmm. but they give us the full picture. One shows us every man, Jesus, one shows us King Jesus. So there is, and yes, the, the right there in verse seven to 12 is when it talks about the Magi not coming back to Herod, like Herod had told them to the end of verse 12 is having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country, another route to not tell on them essentially. But you know, the, the one thing that every young mother wants for her child is, is frankincense and myrrh and gold. That's the best baby gift. Not like a ball or diapers or wipes. Bring me incense, please. Bring me a nice candle. That's what you should give new mothers. That's the the lesson of the Christmas story. And gold. What's a baby going to do with gold? Pay for college. That would be nice. In fact, bring me gold. (laughs) (laughs) I changed my tune. You have kids. Are you really going to say this? You know, you know, those are great gifts. That's the full Christmas story. I mean, that's, we pretty much hit it all. We, We got all the way to Jesus being born in the manger Back to Matthew to make sure we hit those pieces that we missed. Well, I think like you said, Will, we get caught up in the season. Yeah. And and forget the simplicity of the story. Yeah. And yet, 
even in the simplicity, it's not simple. It's, it takes God's providence a hundred different ways to, to get where we needed to be. Yeah. Which I think is, is incredible. And, and not like I want to get too much into what's going on in her church, but if you look at the nativity characters, uh, Mary's uh, on her knees praying, and, I, and Joseph is obviously there to care for her, but also um, seems very humble. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's my mom did the decorating, which I think we know, but that was always her point was Mary and Joseph aren't the point. Jesus is. And so if we're going to have a Mary and a Joseph, they need to be humble. They need to look like normal people. And then the three Christmas trees, reminiscent of the three crosses. The big star, reminiscent of the star over the... It's all very intentional. She's, she, she thinks these things through. Yeah, here, here's what. Dad's pastor. Mm-hmm. You know this, Alan. Most what? Pe- most people listening know this. Is that what he does? <laughs> That's what he does for many, many years. Me and Will are dad's pastor. And, and pretty much every Christmas season, he, he, he struggles with the, how do you make the Christmas sermon special and new and relevant. Everyone's heard it. Everyone's heard it unique ways. Everyone's heard it plain ways. And yet it seems like, and Will, maybe you can correct me. He struggles with this every year and then it always ends up on, you know what? I'm just going to tell it. Let it stand for itself. I mean, he, he'll, he doesn't give it a weird angle. He doesn't make it unique. He just tells it. And there's a lot of times people are like, wow, I didn't even know that about the Christmas story Be- because we don't read it for ourselves. A lot of times we just know it from veggie tales or we know it from the Christmas songs or we know it from one of the people have told us when you read it yourself, it's, it's actually kind of straightforward. It's really straightforward and it's pretty cool. And we also live in a world where every pastor is trying to come up with the next, yeah. you know, shocking revelation. Right. Um, yeah. That's a broad stroke. I said something snarky the other day and somebody called me on it. It's, it is what it is. But like, <laughs> not every pastor, but the, not every is, pastor, but it's like, pervasive. It's, it is. It's yeah. like everybody wants to be the, wants to have the next point, you know, yeah. the, Oh my gosh, this is shocking. Like, yeah. and, and one of the best things about the Christmas story, the, the story of the birth of Christ is it's, it, there's really not a lot of, whoa, yeah. it stands on its own. Yeah. It stands on its own. Yeah. You don't that, need a degree to, to know what it means. No, it's yeah. simple. Anybody can get it. And I, I think, I think that's, in, well, I don't think, I know that is intentional. Oh yeah. That's how God communicates. And you don't need to overproduce it if you're making a play about it, or well you said. don't need to overproduce the celebration of it. It's, it's simple. It's honest. It's humble. That, again, and at the end of the day, well it's, and at the end of the day, it's the best. It's the story that brings everything together with the Bible. Yeah. Best story ever told. Yeah. yeah. Well and, and, and anybody can get it. That's how God communicates. Wow. Well. I mean, it, I think so. Whenever he's trying to say something, it's usually pretty doggone clear. We're the ones that make everything challenging and, and difficult. Show me where I'm wrong. Oh, okay, the book of Revelation. <laughs> Come on. That's not challenging. The book that's, of Revelation, not challenging. that's not challenging. The book of Revelation is very clear. Right. Jesus is coming back. God will win. I have revealed okay, to you hold victory. On. If we're that's talking it. big strokes, then yeah, I would agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Whenever, okay. Well, yeah, big strokes, absolutely. yes. But there are plenty of things in the Bible that you read and you, you don't just instantly understand. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying when that my what I'm saying is when God is trying to communicate a point, right? Like a thing. A, a thing. thing. A big thing. A big thing. A thing that Jesus matters. Came for salvation. A thing that matters. That's a clear. thing that legalists usually like to ignore because it's not because hard. too easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like the, yeah, yeah. the the stuff he communicates. Like yeah. like Whenever he's going to flood the earth, like if he's giving a warning, this is why when people talk about Revelation as if it's a warning, it's annoying to me because Revelation is not a warning. It is a revelation. He has revealed what's going to happen. It's not a warning, (laughs) right? It's a celebration, if anything, like rest easy, Christian. I got it. Victory's already won. 
it it hasn't taken place yet, but the victory is already there. It's done. It's sealed, right? I'm going to flood the earth, Noah. Build a boat. It's pretty simple. It's not hard. You know what I mean? Well, no, I agree. Big strokes aren't. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hop on board with it. everything God ever says is really simple to understand. That, I, 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 I wouldn't, that's not what I'm saying. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I agree big strokes. Yeah. Jesus is here for the salvation of mankind. That's real easy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus had a humble birth because I want you to see how, 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 how I pick my people. I, I pick insignificant people. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty easy. I agree with all that. Absolutely. Okay. Other than revelation, where, where do things get challenging? Uh, the book of Romans. I mean, th- there's that's so much challenging. to you. I'll give you that, maybe, but but I do struggle with things in scripture. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, no, I don't think it's bad. The wheat and the tares, the parable that Jesus tells, the, the there there are parables I still don't understand. And Jesus said, "I'm using parables so that people won't understand if they're not supposed to." Yeah, there are things I'm not like you can't say if you just sit down and read your scripture, everything will make perfect sense to you right off the bat at face value. It you don't need a degree to understand it. The Holy Spirit will reveal these things to you, but they're not just like He didn't just come down and say. X, Y, Z is it? There you go. Well, no, I, I, I guess, I, I guess that that that's not what I'm saying. Right. I think that's what I, I'm saying. I think we're okay. saying the same thing. Big Prin- strokes. I'm with you. Yeah, like principles. Gospel, very clear. Gospel's clear. Principles are clear. Is, birth, all very clear. Yes. Right. Okay. But there, there are things in Scripture that are are hard to understand. Oh, I mean, heck, let's just look at the instructions of Deuteronomy and Leviticus and how people struggle with that period is right. When you say struggle, do you mean struggle to understand or struggle to keep? Because I think the, the, the definitely keep keep. Keep. Okay. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure the the Levitical law was pretty, it was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. It's very detailed. detailed And like, I, I, you can understand it. I I went through a little thing one time where I was like, I'm going to go read the Levitical law and I'm going to see if I can keep it. And I made it like, 1% 1% of it into it. And I was like, there's no stinking the way. The clothes I'm wearing. This is ridiculous. The there's law. no way. But it was, I, I don't know. It's very clear to me how the law condemns people to hell. Like I get that. Well, uh, and that's what, uh, I should be very careful with Roman what I say. Says. Yeah. Like, well, that's what Roman says. The law exists to condemn. That's, yeah. That's a biblical fact. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Like the reason people are, yeah, it says we can't keep the law. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clear as to why we can't keep the law. What is your favorite Christmas song? Silent Night. Good one. Mm. Carol of the Bells. That's the one. Oh my God. That's the one. That's the one. John, what's yours? I, I think I have to say, Oh, Holy Night. It is. That's just an anthem. That's not just a good Christmas song. It's just one of the best songs ever written. Guilty Pleasure Christmas song, which is maybe some people don't like this Christmas song, but I love it. What, what would that be? Some people might find it annoying or whatever. You, so you got to say the one you said earlier. Look, my favorite Guilty Pleasure Christmas song is Mary, Did You Know? That's a good one. I don't like it, so it counts. You don't <laughs> like that song? She knew. The Bible's pretty clear that she knew. The angel told her everything, so yeah, she knew. <laughs> but all of the things? It's still a good song. No, I think it's good. Well, yeah, I guess it's a good song. I, I just, didn't I say can't it's get doctrinally it. sound. I just <laughs> I it's a good song. It's, I don't like it as a song, even. I like all Frank Sinatra Christmas music. Wow. I would, I would count that as a guilty pleasure. It yeah. is. Yeah. 100% it is. My, right. Mine is Little Drummer Boy. I really Ugh. love that song. Ugh. I love that song because people don't listen to the meaning of it. They just listen to the purple. That's the only part they hear. They don't hear the humble little boy who's like, I've got nothing. I'll just try my hardest with my drumming. And Jesus loved it. No, I hear it. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what now? What's your favorite Christmas guilty pleasure Christmas themed in general? There's one answer and there's, there, a, there's only there one, one answer? right answer. Hmm. White chocolate covered Oreos. No eggnog. 
I love eggnog. I like eggnog. That's, That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Eggnog catches a lot of crap. It does. Too. <laughs> it takes a lot of <laughs> poor lot guy's of, been beat. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. And, I, and it only co- it's 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 it is Christmas in a cup. Eggnog is phenomenal. What are you, Alan? Peanut butter fudge. Oh, yeah, that's good. Mm. Yeah. So that's a really Christmas like feeling. Yeah. yeah. I'm sticking with my white chocolate covered Oreos. That's my Christmas guilty pleasure. Lastly, what is the, the Christmas songs that you hate? Three fat dudes just sitting at a table and they're like, what's your Christmas guilty pleasure? Eggnog, <laughs> cookies, and fudge. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> what is a Christmas song that you hate? For me, it is easy. There is no question, no competition. It is Christmas shoes. I hate that song. It's awful. because it's, it's a terrible song. It's awful. Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, that's awful. It's a terrible song. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. I hate to say it, but Frosty the Snowman. Okay. I mean, it, it has nostalgic value for me, so I, I don't hate it, but I could see why someone would. All right. Time for some Bible trivia. Uh, if we were smart, we would have thought ahead and got Christmas trivia, but we didn't. So let's see if the providence of God gave us some Christian, Christmas questions here. Uh, looking at mine, it, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't have much. Uh, yeah, no, much. So, in the story recorded in Genesis of the sacrifice on Mount Moriah, which father and son do we read about? Not Abraham and Isaac. Is Abraham and Isaac? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't need to overthink it. Whose coat was dipped in blood by his brothers? Joseph. Indeed. What did Adam and Eve use to cover themselves after they had eaten the forbidden fruit? Fig leaves. Fig leaves, yeah. In what city was Jesus put to trial and crucified on the cross? Don't overthink it, people. Nazareth. No. No, Bethlehem. No. no. That's where he was no. born. Uh, You're confusing the Christmas story. Uh, yeah. I sort of say, I, if this is one of those times where now my brain is blank. Yeah. Jerusalem. <laughs> Jerusalem. Thank you. Like, like I just, it the hurts. word is it there. Hurts. Like, don't overthink it. I know what it is. Where yeah. did the following sign appear? This is Jesus, King of the Jews. On the cross. Above Jesus' head on the cross, yes. Who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Moses. Which writer of the New Testament was healed of blindness? Writer of the New Testament? Paul. Yeah, I mean, you got like three people to choose from. <laughs> a lot of options. <laughs> After Jesus' resurrection, he miraculously provided the disciples with 150 th- 153 of something. 153 of what? After Jesus' resurrection, he provided fish. them with 153 of something. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fish. Yes. Fish. Seems right. Because he came out, because they had been fishing all day, and then he came out and was like, hey, throw it on the other side. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, I'll give that a shot. And then he pulled it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with whom did Jacob wrestle all night? Well, I don't know how the card's going to take it. It's either God or the angel of God, Gabriel. It's God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, the Bible says it's a messenger. How many years after the flood did Noah live? 100, 250, 350, or 500? I would not have known this. 250. 350. It's 350. Yeah. Shot in the dark. What name meaning three in one is given to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost? Tri- Trinity. Elohim. Holy Trinity. What was the name of the brother of the disciple John? I bet John knows the answer to this question. Hamus. Yes, James. James. Yeah. If there's a if there's a brother, yeah, exactly. That's less if significant, there's an insignificant brother, John know knows it. <laughs> Which disciple's mother-in-law did Jesus heal from a fever? James, John, Peter, or Thomas? Peter. Nailed it. Which book of the Bible comes right before Acts? John. John. Spell disciple, a follower of Jesus. Just D I S C I P L E F O L L O W E R O F J E S U S. You forgot A, but no. go on. 
That's a weird question. Yeah. What were James and John mending when Jesus called them to be disciples? Tents? Nets? No, that's not them. It's nets. No, they were an alley. Yeah, yeah, fishing nets. Yeah. What is the name of the tradition where a believer in Jesus is lowered underwater and raised again? Baptism. Baptism. <laughs> How did John the Baptist die? Uh, he was beheaded. Mm-hmm. I like the way the card slopped off. I like. The, yeah. The the card says, "quote His head was cut off." Ah, not beheaded. No. <laughs> His head was cut off. Jesus said that it was more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for what kind of animal to go through the eye of a needle? A camel. camel. Indeed. Fill in the blank of this, of this scripture with one word. Our Father, which art in heaven, blank be thy name. Hallowed. Fill in the blank of the ninth commandment with one word. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. neighbor. Oh, all right. That well, concludes uh, Christmas edition. As we uh, look forward to the Christmas season and uh, all the joy and I just want a fulfillment, ham. fulfillment that uh, is the Christmas season. I just want a ham. Thank you, Alan. That was really nice. I also want a ham. I want a ham. <laughs> also get to have a baby during Christmas, so that's exciting. Maybe on Christmas. Maybe on Christmas. That would be cool. I don't think it's going to last. That long. I don't think it's going to last that long. <laughs> she ready to go. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to read about your son. Uh, what a gift that is and what good news you've given us. I pray that we would rest on those truths and, and just, just understand in the season how, how hard life can get, how busy it can get, that we still need that good news. We still need the, the great joy that the birth of Christ brought. I pray you would just settle that on all of our hearts. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have a Christian joke to share, a question to ask our pastors, you know someone or would be interested in joining our discussion and or more, please contact us at christianvarietypodcast at gmail.com. When in doubt, just read your Bible and have a great week.